So today on the show, we thought uh, a good podcast we could try and record is really just dialing in on money saving and how mm. you can be more proactive in saving some money. And some of this stuff I should probably be practicing too now that I've set up my apartment and that. So it's probably yeah. good to hear. So um, we could probably start with the three C's. It's something that I think we brought up on a podcast a few weeks ago. So we can yeah, start cool. with that when it comes to loans and things like that. Yeah. So three key things um, banks look at when they're assessing you for a loan is um, capacity, um, character, and collateral. So we'll just go through those um, quickly. So capacity is basically your income. Mm. So um, we've talked before about debt to income ratios and those sorts of things. Um, yeah, if you earn a hundred grand a year and have no other debt, a bank would say your capacity, your borrowing capacity is around 600 to $800,000. Mm. So a debt to income of um, six to one to about eight to one. Um, so yeah, the first thing they look at is your capacity. So that's just not your income because if you have other commitments that come out of that income, that reduces the net income you have to make a loan repayment. So if you have a car loan, um, if you're a rent vesta, so you're renting a property but buying a property to in, as an investment, yeah, you know, you've got your rent. Uh, you might have credit cards, you might have afterpay, you might have those sorts of things. You might have a, a hex debt is another thing that a lot of people forget about. So your capacity is what what is basically, what net income do you have? So mm. if you earn bonuses, allowances, um, overtime, banks, all banks treat them differently. So, you know, we can help you get to the bank that's going to give you the best borrowing capacity. Um, your character um, is... Basically, the bank looks at your previous behaviour with debt if you've had loans before. So we will always ask for people to give us a copy of their credit report and have a look at um, if, they've, if they've inquired about loans and if they have, what happened. If they've had loans declined, what happened. Um, if they've got late payments, defaults and those sorts of things. So then we can you know, choose the best lender to go to or put them in contact with people that can help them get that stuff sorted. You know, people like um, Credit Fix Solutions um, and Victoria's team who've been on your on your show. Yeah. So they look at so we look at your character. And you can just imagine now if someone comes, if you've got a mate who's not that great with money, um, who comes up to you and wants a thousand bucks, you know, you do think about their character before you, you know, you might agree to do that. Sure. Um, the, the last one is just collateral, which is basically what deposit or what equity you have to put into the transaction. So um, with banks, they don't like taking too much risk. Um, ideally, they like to lend 80% and have you cover 20% either through equity in your property or, say, a parent's property if you're a first-time buyer mm. uh, or someone getting back into the market um, or that you've got cash deposit from saving. So um, they're, the, they're the sort of three things. So you know, as we sort of talk through some of the money-saving tips, it'll become um, obvious why we talk about that because if you don't spend a lot of money, you have more capacity. If you don't take on a lot of debt or you manage your debt, well, you've got good character. And if you don't spend a lot of money, you've usually got more collateral or deposit. Right. 
And so what we're going to do now is sort of go through some of those, some of the like facets that make up the facets that make up some of those three C's. So we'll start with net monthly income. So that's after tax, I believe, right? Net. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what, what bank will do is they'll look at your payslip and they'll look on the payslip and see what things are deducted on that. So you might salary sacrifice to super, you might have a car lease that is taken. You pay some from before tax dollars and some from after tax dollars. You might purchase leave. So you might um, rather than work 70 hours a fortnight or 80 hours a fortnight, you might only work 60, but you actually purchase leave. So the, um, you might have uh, help debt you have to pay. You might have child support you've got to pay. Um, you might receive family tax benefit. Yeah, so the bank looks at your payslip and and sees okay how much how much income do you actually get. So some people go well I earn hundred grand, um, but when you strip it out to all the things they're committed to, they don't have the borrowing capacity of hundred grand. So it's yeah it's it's an old saying is it's not how much you earn, it's how much you've got left. Mm. So quite a lot of clients we know and people we know earn bucket loads of money but they spend quite a lot and you know that's their choice that's up to them um whereas we've got other people who earn modest incomes but manage to squirrel a lot away and have better borrowing capacity and so i guess you a takeaway for the net monthly income side of it is you can, however you want to treat it, if you make good money and you choose to spend a lot of that money instead of saving it and not living as frugal as you'd like, that's your choice. But just be aware that that could bite you in the bum if you're looking for a good home loan somewhere down the line. Yeah, for sure. Or if, you know, you, if you're buying in Sydney or some parts of Melbourne and you need you know, quite a decent deposit or equity and borrowing capacity, you know, you may not be able to get the get the property you're after. Okay. Um, second, we're going to think talk about was breaking down the difference between discretionary and mandatory spending. And you sent me an article. I think it was what newspaper was that from? Um, I think it was the Fin Review. Okay. Or the Newcastle well, Herald. I'm not so I've, sure. I've yet. taken a few clips from that that I'll quickly state because I thought this was quite relevant to what we're talking about. And this is stuff like I've. I've obviously just been moving into an apartment. And so I've been tr having trouble with figuring out, okay, what I'm just buying for this house, is this discretionary or is this that I want, do I want it or do I need it? That's what I'm trying to sort yep. of do. But PayPal's 2021 end of financial year sales trends report found 34% of millennial shoppers admit feeling regret after buying something on sale compared to 24% of all age groups. Um, Roughly 1,008 consumers and 417 businesses were in the online survey. Um, millennials were defined as people between 27 and 38 years of age and Gen Z was categorised as 18 to 26. Um, and it's shown too that Generation Z is also getting in on the sales habit. 61% people reporting they've watched an item they wanted and waited until it went on sale before buying online. Um, I guess... It's an interesting that 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 topic that uh, sorry that trend of people regretting buying something even though they're trying to validate it in their head that well I got it on sale like I still saved some money is that something uh -huh. you sort of come across with any of the clients that you work with Yeah yeah look I, I think it's one of those things that um, in the say 10 20 years ago um, you, you know you saw a lot of products 
advertised. So you'd see you know, things in the paper, hear about it on radio, saw it on TV. But now if you, you know, if you, I know, just say you want to buy a new pair of running shoes and you search running shoes online, yeah, within say five minutes, you're seeing stuff on Facebook and other things promoting running shoes. Mm. So we, we never got that in the past. So, and it was also, yeah, you, know, you couldn't really look at product catalogs online, shop around on price uh, and buy stuff and have it delivered. So, you know, whereas, you know, you used to have to actually go to the store, try it on, you know, couldn't be bothered going to the store today. It's, um, you know, it's too wet, too cold. Uh, got other things on so it's just a lot more it's just easier now it's more convenient right. to buy things and I think it's just about what your priorities are if your priority is to get in the housing market either as an owner occupier or an investor it's a, you got to make the commitment and yeah one of the first things you can do to improve your buying capacity is strip away and it's, you know, you don't have to do it forever. Um, what things are mandatory? What do you have to have mm. as, you know, what, what is discretionary? So if you can, if you can make your lunch rather than buy lunch, you'll save money. If you can make dinner rather than get Uber Eats, you'll save money. If you, um, you know, make the pair of running shoes last for extra lunch, you'll save money. Mm. You know, if you get, if you buy a, modest car and that's a the old rich dad poor dad saying buy the best car your ego can afford um you'll save money if you um you know don't put too much on credit card um you know you'll you'll save money it's just it's just a matter of working out what your priority is and your priority can't your priority can't be everything for sure you yeah, okay. choose what you want something something that i've started to get into the habit of doing um the last month or two is I made a list when I was getting ready to move into my apartment of what do I need versus what do I want? Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to follow, I, I'm trying to get into the habit of following that more strictly as, as opposed mm -hmm. to um, impulse purchases. I, there was something I, I noted in that sales trends report from PayPal. They said as well that the millennials, sorry, the millennials were a lot more, prone to impulse shopping than any other yeah. generation. Um, and I'm obviously not a millennial, but I can definitely, uh, I can definitely associate and relate to that stat too. So um, yeah. another thing we're going to talk about was say putting saving as a priority. And um, you've, you've harped on about this quite a few times on the show where you, you spoke about back in the day, the, the idea around money was different where you got paid and you put money away into savings straight away. Could you sort of expand on that that you used to speak? You've spoken about it before. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's basically, um, and Simon Presley mentioned this on your, one of your early podcasts. If you get $1,000 a week, um, if you put 15% of that into savings, um, more if you can, um, first, and that's your priority, and then live off the rest, you will be able to save money. But if you live, 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 and then on the day before payday go, oh, I've got 80 bucks left, I'll put that in a savings, that's all you're going to save. So to get your collateral up or your deposit, save first. So work out what your budget is. And we do this with quite a few clients. They might need 10 grand. So I just say to them, okay, that will at $200 a week, that'll take you a year. 
So um, at $400 a week, it takes six months. Um, yeah, there are there are other options because you can you know, buy a property with mortgage insurance. Um, and that's another thing we can probably talk about later, where you can, you know, where you can go in with less money into a purchase. But if you save first, you will save more. Yeah. That's just that's just the way it is. Um, okay. Yeah, if you make saving a priority, you will save more. And um, yeah, anyone can. Yeah, we talk about the red and green pen. You can go through your bank statements, credit card statements, after pay, whatever they send people, uh, zip pay, hum all the PayPal, all those things. Um, and you can look at where you spend your money and just ask yourself, did you really, really need that? And if you really, really need it, give it a green tick. And if you didn't really, really need it, give it a red tick or red mm -hmm. cross. And then just tally up the number of red crosses. And okay. you'll probably find that without much of a change to your lifestyle, you can... Um, uh, yeah, you can you can save pretty quickly, and then once you get into that habit, when you do get the loan, you can pay the loan down quicker, which will save you interest and build equity, so you can buy more properties or shares or invest in income-producing assets. Okay. If if you choose to. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you noticed a trend? This is just a a bit of an off-topic question, but have you noticed a trend in? Um, any clients that you meet up with that they don't actually pay for any streaming services. They use family linked services. Cause that's something I've sort of, I, I picked up on doing when I was living in Canada, I never used my own Netflix. I was always using yours. <laughs> it's a good, also yeah. a good way to save money. If your parents are happy to like uh, hmm. share the loving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, look for sure. We, we get, um, yeah, you know, we ask people about you know what do they spend on on uh, phone streaming gaming, yeah. um, pay TV those sorts of things. Um, you know, people generally underestimate greatly what they spend their money on. Like we ask people, we give people a living expenses sheet, and it's nearly always out by at least half. Because you know you might you might go to you might think you spend six hundred a month on groceries, which is about one hundred and fifty a week. Which right. you know you might do you might go to the shops once a week and spend one hundred and fifty bucks, but you then two or three other times go down and spend ten bucks here, twenty bucks there, forty bucks there, and it just all adds up. So and these days um, it's all on your statements. So a bank can see everything. You know if you've yeah. if you've had a late payment, if you've been overdrawn. Um, if a you know direct debit bounces, um, it's all visible now. So, yeah, okay. We've had we've had clients say, "Oh, we've got we've got a credit card, but we don't want to tell the bank that." And I say, "Look, the bank already knows because it's on your credit report." Mm. Okay. And yeah, you'll be making payments from a. Yeah, we often pick up after pay and zip pay that people haven't told us about because when we look at their bank statement, there's a payment to after pay or zip pay. Right. So then we've got to go back and just and. I know a lot of people are fans of the barefoot investor and so am I, but I think people need to simplify their life, their financial life. You don't need 14 different bank accounts. You only need a couple. You, know, you need your savings account, your bills account, and probably your salary account, and that's it. You, you don't need all these credit facilities because yeah. you know, some people go, oh, I'll get a credit card because it'll give me a credit rating. You're better off if you get a credit card if you can pay it out every month. But if you can't, don't get a credit card. 
Um, another thing we're going to talk about, and I guess it, it ties into that with Afterpay and ZipPay and credit cards. Like we get that sometimes credit cards are a necessary evil. And if mm. you're smart with a credit card, you're not going to get into any strife. But um, you wanted to talk about how people could maybe consider using a credit card or Afterpay and ZipPay. Like how do you go about using them if you're going to? Yeah, cool. So, so with that, it's basically... Um, yeah, if you've got credit cards or other credit facilities, you just got to make sure that you're never, ever paying any interest on them. So if you get a credit card, 10 grand limit, you might run up a couple of grand's worth of expenses over a month. Just make sure at the end of the month, you are paying that out in full. Otherwise, you're going to get hit with 10 to 20% interest on the, on the balance outstanding. So, yeah, it's called living on other people's money and... It's not a bad tactic, but in the end, if you are putting too much on it and not paying it out every month, like I remember um, seeing a client a couple of years ago um, by making the minimum repayment on their credit card, which which was all they were doing, um, they would pay their credit card out in 43 years. So they had about 20 grand on their credit card. So over the next 43 years, they probably would have paid 100, 150 grand in interest on that debt. So mm. you're better off cutting the thing up, um, either getting, if you've got a credit card at 20% that's out of control, maybe get a personal loan for the credit card balance at five or 6% and pay the credit card out and then pay the loan out and you'll be better off. Or you know, if you refinance your home loan to pay a credit card out, cut up the credit card and don't get another one. Because if you can't if you can't manage a credit card, um, you're better off not having one. Okay. Um, we were going to cover. You sort of brought it up just now. We wanted to also cover what considerations people might make with cars. We sort of covered that, which was buy the best car that your ego can afford. Um, mm -hmm. Reducing your costs around a car is probably a good way to do that. Um, car yeah. loans and personal it, loans. Do you want to talk about that too? Yeah, it's it's sort of like. Um, we talk about income-producing assets, but we can also talk about non-income-producing assets. So things like jet skis, cars, what we call toys, basically, um, boats, those sorts of things, you know. Um, yeah, by all means, buy yourself a boat if you want a boat, but maybe buy a second-hand boat um, rather than a new boat, you know. Mm -hmm. If you're taking up cycling, don't go and buy a six-grand bike, buy a thousand dollar bike or a second hand bike until you work out whether you really like it or not then go buy a five grand bike um don't buy it on credit if you can or if you buy it on credit make sure you can pay it out so it's interest free but it's it's just a matter of um and this sort of comes to the last point about taking responsibility for what you do so there's ways that you know the ways to increase your borrowing capacity you know increase your income and that could be by a second job or, um, um, you know, doing overtime or taking on extra responsibility if it's offered to you. Um, you know, sell stuff you don't need. You know, that can, that can boost your savings. You know, you might have something, you might have an old bike or an old car. Yeah, we've, we've got, had a few clients recently where the male has had quite a fancy car, you know, 60, 70, 100 grand's worth of car that they're keeping um and i just say look it's not a car it's a house deposit mm. 
So they're saying, well, we're not, I'm not selling this car. So, okay, we'll just keep renting. That's just, that's just your reality. It's up to you. We yeah. don't tell anyone. We just advise people on what will happen, what what is likely to happen based on the choices that they're making now and into the future. Mm. And we try and say, look, if you if you can trim five hundred dollars a month off your expenses in five years' time, that's thirty grand. You'll be better off. Sure. So that's the deposit on a affordable investment property at the moment in a growth location through some of the buyers agents we know. Uh, it's also um, yeah, a fair whack that you can pay your mortgage down just by just by trimming back. So yeah, the earlier you start, the better off you'll be. Um, but as I said, you know, we're not here to tell people how to run their lives. It's up to them. But yeah, if you choose a path, um, that's that, yeah, you're the one that's got to walk it. So and that's that's sort of something I've noticed more and more that's probably a good thing that we're doing with the show. It's like, I don't want to tell anybody how to live their life. I just want people to understand like the sort of five-year outlook you might be having depending on the choices you might make. Yeah. Um, I and know where, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're doing it with some of our clients who are, say, over 40, um, you know, basically doing projections on, you know, using ASIC calculators and mm. calculators on our website to basically say, look, you know, if you can make this extra repayment off your, you know, if, you're, if your weekly repayment on a mortgage is $450, we encourage people to set up a direct debit for 500 right. So from the get-go, they're paying more. Okay. They won't miss the 50 bucks. They won't even notice it's gone. Yeah, okay. Um, but if the 50 was there, yeah, they might they might spend it. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, or they might save it and make a lump sum payment. So, yeah, there's plenty. It's a lot of this stuff is not rocket science. Um, I think Einstein said the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. Yeah, if you um, invest, you get interest, and that interest earn compounds and gets you more money. It also works in reverse. If you pay your debts down quicker it snowballs in your favor. Yeah. For sure. um, yeah. And, and yeah, like to sort of sum it up, um, we sort of listed about taking responsibility. If you're not super happy with the current situation, you just got to figure out the ways that you can change it and control the outcome there on in. And um, some of those options might be trying to earn more in your current job, working more hours, maybe getting a second job on the side, reducing your outgoings. And something you listed here was selling stuff you don't need. Um, there's a, I don't know what you would call him now. He's, I guess he's an influencer, but he's this, uh, his name's Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's a big mm -hmm. uh, influencer around like being an entrepreneur and having mm -hmm. a business and all this stuff. But something he speaks about is too many people that love their nine to five think they need to become an entrepreneur because that's how you'll make your best money. Whereas a lot of people could probably make a good amount of money selling off all the things in their garage that they haven't touched in years to yeah, start sure. with um, yeah. as a way to sort of get a bit of extra money that you could put away to save. If, if, if everybody yeah. did that, there'd probably be quite a, a bit more money circulating, I guess. Oh, for sure. And there's also, yeah. And there's also a thing about, you know, maybe getting a side hustle, yeah, maybe starting a, a small business on the side. Um, you know, there might be something you really enjoy doing. So yeah. you know, you can you can start you can start doing that. Um, I'd I'd 
um, counsel people that want to start their own business, especially if they don't have experience in that field. Like we've been broking for six years, but four years on our own um, own account as you know, Money Saver Home or Home Loans Newcastle, their Money Saver Home Loans. Right. And it's probably only been the last year that we've actually made money, but I'm still making quite a lot less than I used to when I was in my public service job. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine because um, the quid pro quo is I can choose who I get to work with. I can choose my own hours. Um, we get to travel a bit because we help people buy property all over the country. Yeah. Um, we get to do podcasts without having to ask for approval from people. Um, and we can have a good chat and a bit of fun. But yeah, I remember there was a bumper sticker I saw. I think it was when I was in Hobart once and it said, um, the best part about being self-employed is that I get to choose the 90 hours a week I work. So, yeah, if you're if you're not happy in your day job, um, before you do make the jump, especially to something that you've never done before, yeah, maybe start it off on the side just to see one whether you can do it, and secondly whether you, whether you like it. Yeah, I, I it sort of reminds me there was an article of during I think it was last week late last week where a few brokers were speaking about some of the common misconceptions around broking and that mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of new brokers or people who don't know much about the industry might not understand that a lot of brokers have a full-time job and do broking on the side while they're building up a portfolio of like cash flow I guess of loans they're signing up because for the first couple of years, you might not actually make any money. You might yeah. barely be able to keep the lights on. So if you've got a few kids and you're becoming a broker, you might end up just be working two jobs basically. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is, you know, you sort of got to commit to that, but um, um, it, it's just one of those things. Like if you start as a broker on one June, um, you know, by the time you're accredited and you've got a bit of experience and, you know, you're working with your mentor and, you know, you might pick up your first deal in July that's a pre-approval and then it takes the person four months to buy a property and then you get paid and then six weeks to settle and then you get paid a month after that. You may not get any commission till like December. Yeah. So, but that that's like, it can be like that for a lot of, a lot of, uh, self-employed things if you're buying a franchise or you, know, you might just be starting off a business yourself um yeah it's just yeah i just just as a barefoot investor says tread your own path and um you know just sort of do you do your due diligence you'll see a lot of things on facebook about you know become a real estate buyer's agent and earn yeah you know, six-figure income by helping people buy property mm. um yeah, that works for some people, but for others, you know, oh, it probably doesn't go too well and you're probably not going to earn that sort of money yeah. for a while because you've got to get your reputation. And and, and often, um, often the sales pitch makes the the work sound a lot easier than it really is. The yeah, yeah, work, the, yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the sales pitch of a buyer's agency saying, you know, we'll you know, get accredited or whatever it is and you'll be able to earn this much money as a buyer's agent. Um even the people that work really, really hard that we know might not be earning that yet. Man, they may yeah, become sure. a person that earns that much at some point, but it's not mm. an overnight success. It never is. 
No, that's for sure. And, you know, you've got to, got to look at those things that you see and they come through your Facebook feed. You know, do what they're trying to do is sell you a course. Yeah, for sure. So just keep in mind that. So, yeah, so look, really, look, you know, there's, it's not all doom and gloom, but it is up to you. And if you want to, if you want to save, you've got to stop spending or earn more income or both. Um, but yeah, and there's plenty of, you know, you can, you can set up, um, you know, there's savings apps that you can have on your phone and all that sort of stuff if you want to get that high tech, but it's not that hard. No, no, for sure. Well, anyway, if um, if anyone wanted to get in touch, they can look us up on Facebook, Money Saver Home Loans, just search that. Our website is moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. Like you said earlier, we've got a bunch of calculators on there that you can look up. Yeah. Um, most broker most brokers do have those calculators. You don't have to use ours, but you know you're already listening to a podcast, so fucking do it. But um, other yeah. than that, is there anything else you wanted to cover? No, that's that's all good. All right, beautiful. All right, see you next time. <laughs>